With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I'll share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. You gotta win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome in. It's the All Ball Podcast. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and Danny Tarkanian is our guest, former player, uh, now a politician, also the lawyer for his late father, Tark the Shark. He has a new book out, and it's really kind of trying to tell uh, what he believes are the truths about Jerry Tarkanian, the Hall of Fame coach, the national championship coach at UNLV, and put to, uh, put to rest any of the other people's narratives. So he'll join us upcoming in the pod. Um, I want to point this out about Jason Tatum, who eviscerated the Utah Jazz after having, what was it, 42 against the Lakers on Sunday? Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive, right? Uh, some of it is helped out by not having Kemba Walker and more opportunities. Some of it is he's coming into his own, and he plays for a guy in Brad Stevens who, it's funny, Brad's teams were just tough as hell when he played at Butler, but he has found a way while coaching in the NBA to really um, make make his superstars or his best player feel like a superstar. I mean, think about what he did for Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was a really good scoring, you know, backup, sometimes starting guard. He averaged 29 a game playing with Brad. Like, if you can score, you're going to love playing for Brad because he gives you freedom and he tries to create mismatches for you. So some of it's playing for Brad. Some of it's no Kemba. Some of it is Jason coming into his own. But golly, has he been impressive, huh? And it's funny. Like, think of how they got him, how they got Jalen Brown, you know, how they got Kyrie, even. You know, that's all part of trading away the big three. And I remember, you know, trade deadline last year, there were people that say, like, trade him for Anthony Davis along with the package of guys. And they're like, um, no. No, not even a little bit. And if you want to question Danny Ainge, he's he's made some mistakes. They all do. But one wasn't the draft day trade, which they moved down from the number one overall spot, got another pick, and got Jason Tatum at three. What a what an unbelievable draft day trade. 
Really, really remarkable. I think the Celtics have a shot. You know, again, they got to be fully healthy right now with no Kemba, but I think they have a shot. I'm, I'm Toronto's probably the best team. Doesn't have, I don't think Pascal Siakam is there yet. Is there yet? Um, the Sixers, it's just, they have a great, you know, first five, first six, but the lack of health to Simmons, the lack of shooting with, with Simmons, I, I'm not sure coaching wise that they're completely all in on Brett Brown. And, and it makes it honestly worse when Embiid has his best night of the year when Simmons doesn't play because they're going to need Simmons to win. Only can Embiid be Embiid with Simmons. I'm not totally convinced Milwaukee is perfect. You know, they win games by blowouts. Everything's in transition. And the postseason does usually become about a half-court game. And we're, we're kidding ourselves if we think that the Greek freak is there as a shooter. Miami, no. Philly, maybe. Toronto. I think the Celtics have as good a shot as anybody to make it out of the East. Let's discuss one seeds here. One seeds in college basketball, which I find to be fascinating. And as much as you could say, well, it's I, I used to get when I worked at uh, CBS or at ESPN, people would say, why do you guys talk about one seed so much? Well, the reason is, with the exception of one game, with the exception of one game, the, the one seed has always advanced to the second round. The, the point being, it's essentially a buy. It's not a buy, but it's essentially a buy. I do think that Kansas has worked themselves into uh, almost lock status as a one seed. Right? Almost, they haven't lost since January 11th, 13 games in a row, right? And uh, beating Baylor at Baylor, beating West Virginia at West Virginia, and I don't think West Virginia is great. I don't think the Big 12 is great, but the, the, the consistency and level of consistent dominance is super, super impressive. Um, I assume they beat K-State at K-State because they always have. What, they've done all but one, uh, three times or something, maybe four times? Um, then they'll beat TCU at home, and we'll see what happens at Texas Tech. I was supposed to do that game on radio, and now I'm doing Stanford-Oregon, which also might be for a Pac-12 title. But I think Kansas is pretty well locked as a one seed. So what's left? Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is going to be a one seed. They've dominated St. Mary's. I know they lost BYU and lost handily. Now, they have St. Mary's again at home, which, assume they win, can only help them. If they were to lose one more game in the West Coast Conference Tournament, then obviously you start getting sketch about it. And you're like, well, they got beat by Michigan. They beat Oregon in overtime. Their other wins like North Carolina and Arizona and Washington aren't as impressive. I still think Gonzaga ends up getting a one seed. And that's where it kind of gets really curious afterwards. Do you go with Dayton? Do you go with Baylor? Right? Does the Big 12, which is down, get two one seeds? I think the answer is possibly. San Diego State has to win out. They just do. It's not their fault that the league has been down. They haven't been playing well. And I don't know how many people know they've been playing without Nathan Mensah for as long as they play without Nathan Mensah. And if they were to get Nathan Mensah back, well, then that would, that to me would change how we look at them because he's that good. But I, I, I think it just comes down to who wins out. Who wins out between them and um, I did think that for, there was a period of time, um, there's a period of time. Nathan Mensa, by the way, has an outside shot of returning this season. If he comes back, you know, he's got to play a game by my estimation before the NCAA tournament. I think that would, that's their starting center. If you don't think that helps them, you know, six foot nine shop locker energy guy doesn't require a lot of, 
I think Maryland has, a, has an outside shot to be one seed as well. You're like, Maryland? Yeah, I know they lost to Ohio State in the road, but they, and they came from 17 down to beat Minnesota. Look at the rest of their schedule. If they can beat Michigan State, Rutgers on the road, hard place to play, and Michigan at home. If they did that, remember, they've already beaten, uh, beaten Iowa once, lost to Iowa, lost to Wisconsin. These are tough road games. Lost to Seton Hall. Seton Hall should be in this conversation of one or two seeds, but recent falters have caused them to, to fall off of that discussion. Um, but I think Maryland and their consistency, with the exception, obviously, of the Ohio State loss, is a big reason why. And the, the road wins over Indiana, the road win over Minnesota, the road win over Illinois, the road win at Michigan State, those are just too big for Maryland to not be considered. Florida State also in that discussion, right? Florida State did lose to Duke on the road, uh, did lose to Virginia on the road, kind of similar, but they've swept Louisville. And they only have Notre Dame on the road and Clemson and Boston College left. I think Florida State will be right in that discussion. Like their first game of the year, they lost to Pittsburgh. You almost crossed that thing out. Why are you playing a league game November 6th? So dumb. So dumb. But the lost Indiana on the road hurts them. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Danny, um, thanks so much for joining us. What made you decide to write the book? Well, first of all, it's great to join you, Doug, and I've followed your career and love how successful you've been. Uh, I wanted to clarify and clear up some of the misconceptions people had about my father when he was coaching. A lot of things that was written from people that really have a chance to be with him. And then also with all the things that have been exposed with the NC trade now and the people understanding better how that organization works, I thought the timing was really good. Biggest misconception about your dad is what? 
Well, you know, his battles with the NC Toy and the way they portrayed him, I went through the book. You know, I, I, as I mentioned in the book, I was a big part of his uh, career in many guard, regards from his ball boy to former player, former assistant coach. But most importantly, I was his attorney in a lot of the NC Toy issues. And I went through all the documents that I got from the trial and from the hearings and uh, their inter- own internal documents and laid out exactly, you know, what the NC Toy claim my father did. And, and um which is completely different than the perception that's been out there. You know, in all the investigations, you know how many there's been and how long it's been. It was 16 full official investigations of my dad's 31-year career. They never charged or found a violation of giving large sums of money, giving a car, of anything of real substantial value. There were some academic issues, which I went through and showed that they weren't uh, true. Uh, The facts were completely against it. But talking about just the biggest problem we have in sports is buying players and my father was a big um advocate out there saying that 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 those that needs to stop you need to have regulations that stop paying players large sums of money and entice them to come to the school but at the same time you need to have rules that allow coaches to treat players humanely allow kids to be um able to go to school and um, with other classmates at the basically the level the same level economic standard that the other kids are you understand the NC trade rules a kid um, coming from the inner city that doesn't have any money that many times is giving part of their scholarship checks back to their parents uh, or mother to take care of their kids you know they, they don't have money to go out on a date they don't have money to buy uh, new clothes to go to a movie um, I mean first of all how do you even get out from one part of the country to another uh, to attend school um, the, the NC trade doesn't allow the school to pay for that my father spoke out about that, thought it was unjust, thought it was unfair. These rules were, by the NC trade, were made in the 1950s when the participants in sports were more affluent families that can afford paying these type of things. But from the 60s on, it's been mostly the poorer inner-city African-American kids who can't afford these things. And my father felt those rules were unjust. He admitted he broke those rules and uh, had a long fight with the NC trade, but they portrayed him as being, you know, this big cheater that had all these big payoffs, and that just isn't the case. Well, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, some of those things have changed right now. You've always been able to get a Pell Grant um, for, for guys yeah, that come but from Doug, need. Yeah. But, but, Doug, if you, I didn't even realize this, and I laid it out in the book, uh, in the early 70s, whatever you apply your got for a Pell Grant, the NC Trade offset that with their scholarship check, and so 100% offset. Then in the 80s, they offset at 75 and then 50%. I think now they allow them to keep the full Pell Grant. But during a big portion of my father's career, they couldn't even keep the, the Pell Grant. They uh, offset and it took that money. Why would you do that to the kids that needed that the most? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know the thinking at the time. I do know that you add in now costs of attendance and so many other benefits. And I think uh, many of the things that, that, that people like your father, I know Sam Gilbert also at UCLA's famous booster kind of fought for, right, which is the, hey, you bring a kid out from one environment to the environment of a college campus, if you want, really want him to succeed, you gotta, you know, you got to find a way to allow him to be a, a real student, not just, not, not just an athlete. Um, I would say the other part would, you know, Lloyd Daniels and maybe later on Chris Heron, those guys and what befell them during and post their career playing for your dad, I think that cast a negative light on what there were so many other positive lights. Is that fair? Yeah, well, certainly with Lloyd Daniels. And Lloyd Daniels still, I think my father very clearly regretted he had did. Um, Lloyd, I, and we've known Lloyd now for, even after he left UNLV uh, under 
the um, the uh, arrest uh, the one who's trying to buy drugs. He's my dad has stayed in contact with him, and Lloyd's done a real nice job in his life. But but they, that was a was not a good move on my father's part, and I laid that out of there in the book. But Chris Heron, I'm not sure why you would say that wasn't uh, that was a bad thing on my father's part. Chris was a kid, great kid, and actually right now he's having an incredible, incredible. turnaround in his life. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and he credits my father with helping him get to the point that he did, at least uh, to get through college and have the opportunities that he's had. Um, and there was no MC3 violations of Chris Aaron. Not Chris made mistakes off the court, and it cost him dearly in his life. Uh, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe then it's Danny. Maybe then it's the perception, right? Because he he got caught with with he had it was coke at at uh, at Boston College. And look, I mean, I, I wasn't drugs for me, but I got in trouble. The, I I would say the difference, and this is more perception, is that that your dad, look, your dad was about. You know, did could you come up and play, right? Would you want to compete and play? And you know, Chris had a had a drug problem that was was not addressed at the time. And it it it. You know, go ahead. You know who else included Lloyd Daniels uh, besides uh, my father? Virtually every major college, including Larry Brown at Kansas, it got down to us in, in, in Kansas. When you make an assumption that my father is including players because how well they can play in the court, yes, every successful major college coaches doing that some are some are in schools some are at schools that they can get kids that are better students and that are uh have better upbringings uh, and some of them they can't no no i listen i i I think look i'll that's fair and honestly this is like friend of court but i would say i I would say that that if we were fair or at least in terms of perception is that that um i don't know I, i i felt like your dad and this is again more perception than maybe reality it wasn't that your dad was recruiting guys that anybody else wouldn't recruit, right? Everybody wanted Lloyd Daniels. The, the issues was he had he had issues. He didn't graduate from high school, or everybody wanted Chris Heron. It was when you get him, do you have the do you have the checks and balances in place for for you know for for guys who can be wayward souls? And and obviously, look, trouble trouble can find any trouble can find anybody anywhere on a college campus in any place in the country. But I do think when you have you know, when you have some guys, you know, the Kenny Bruner and uh, Vondre uh, Jones deal, Vondre right? Jones. Right. Like, uh-huh. you you bring some tough dudes from, from L.A., like, what is your <laughs> monitoring system? Or is it simply like, look, we, we don't want to monitor these guys. We want them to show up and show us they can work at practice, yeah. you know, and, and do the things they got to do to stay eligible. And, you know, that that's that's how we do it. And that was more the perception of how they, how they ran it. Maybe more at Fresno. Uh, then definitely at Long Beach State, then more Fresno, and then some at UNOV. Well, that's, that's the first time I've heard my dad criticized for not monitoring the kids um, and when they got there or, or showing them enough guidance and stuff. Uh, I've heard of, of the big problem with him taking those kids originally, and I'm glad that you agree that virtually every other coach in the country that could have got them would have, would have taken those kids. My, my dad probably went further, though, with some of the others. And, sure. Uh, we can go through those names, but with respect to guidance and, and what you're trying to do with them, I coached with my father. I played with my father. Nobody had more of a support staff for the kids than my father did. Most of the coaches, when my when my dad was at the beginning part of his career, never had a relationship with the players. They were like the, the general, and they were, the players were the subordinates, and there was no personal relationship. My father was one of the first coaches. Uh, I wrote about this extensively in the book. 
about um, his philosophy of coaching, which now all their coaches are doing, where you create a close relationship with your players. You help them through the tough times they're facing. And in the book, I go through a list of, you mentioned some of the people that haven't done well um, that have played for my father, but there's 10 times as many, maybe more, uh, that were very, very successful that had all these problems because my mother and father worked with those kids when they got there, when there were problems. They can come to my parents, and they would both help out. And then when I got uh, to UNLV, we had a great support support staff with uh, um, Tim Gergerich and some of our assistant coaches there. Uh, but some kids just are too far gone. Right. The Kenny Bruner thing is really ironic. You know, he went to Georgetown. Not one person complained about uh, about uh, um, him going to Georgetown, and he gets in trouble. But it's it's a Fresno State where he never even played at. He was sitting out. And the Kenny Bruner story is a great story because he committed to us uh, at uh, uh, Fresno before he went to Georgetown. And I went and saw him play in the McDonald's game in, in, um, uh, after his senior season. And uh, afterwards, he asked me, he said, Hey, Danny, I'm so excited about coming up to uh, Fresno and playing. Uh, um, can you help me get a car? And I said, Sure, Kenny, we'll help you get a car. Come up over the summer, we'll get your job, you work at it, you could put a down payment on one of them. And he, just, he didn't say a thing to me afterwards. And after that meeting, he decommitted and went somewhere else. So, so I know firsthand what we did, what we didn't do, and the players we lost um, uh, that we could have had if uh, my father would have done some of the things that he's, as you call, perceived to have done. Um, and he said, look, many more, getting back to your deal with the players, many more successes. The book really outlines all of them and talks about, you know, what happened to them and how they turned their careers on. Guys that are doing so great that we don't even talk about uh, uh, in the media because success isn't as big of a story as somebody who's failed. Yeah, no, that's fair. Danny Tarkanian joining us. Um, okay, the, the, the part that does get lost is that everywhere he went, he won. And they won playing great basketball, right? Like that's, and it, 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 it somehow gets. From the amoeba defense, even going back to you know Sidney Green and and then to you know to Banks and that crew that went to the Final Four in New Orleans, or you go back to Long Beach State, like your dad was a hellacious basketball coach. Um, the the teams you mentioned being kind of ahead of your time, his teams did play hard. They were unbelievable defensively. He also embraced the three point shot before others did. Uh, and transition basketball, maybe before others uh, others did in that in that era, um, how, how that that has to sit poorly with you in that so much of the discussion about your dad is the NCAA and not hey look at all the success they had and the way they played. Exactly, and that was another purpose for writing the book. And uh, I wanted to talk about two things you touched upon there because I try to explain that real well in the book because it's, it was so important to my father's success. He was able to get his players to play harder than any uh, team in the country, at least a certain segments of his career. Um, Red Auerbach came out and watched one of our practices and made that comment to my father, as did many others that watched us practice and play. They couldn't believe how hard the team played. And my father's philosophy was this, and as I mentioned, when he first got into coaching, the, the rule was – the coach is the boss. The players listen to you. There's no relationship. My dad felt for you to get the best out of your players, you want you need to have a close relationship with them. The players had to trust you. They, you had to be loyal to the players. And the players, if they felt that you, they, they believed in you and trusted you, they would uh, they would play as hard as they could for you. 
And uh, my dad did that with those players way before anybody else did. And I'll give a story of a kid named John Q. Trapp who played for my dad at uh, Pasadena City College. Well, when he got there, John had been in jail several times. At, well, he's been in jail at least, and he went to several different colleges. And uh, my father met with him, and he said, John, if you do what you're supposed to do here, you could have a nice career, maybe even play professionally. But if you screw up, you're, you're going to be back in the streets in Detroit and without any future. And he goes, by the way, I'm going to dinner with my wife. Can you watch over our three small children, the oldest being seven? And uh, John said later on, he goes, I never trusted a white person before, and they certainly never trusted me. And here's this guy asking me to babysit the kids. Right. Well, John ended up being a regular babysitter. He ended up going playing for my father, took him to the state championship. And then he went to UNLV before my dad was there, had a good career, was in the pros for San Diego Clippers. And then he came back to UNLV with my dad's graduate assistant. You know, these are the stories my dad had of taking these kids that have had problems off the court. But because he gave them that kind of a relationship, they played harder than anybody in the country for him uh, of other teams. And then the second thing, when you talk about his coaching ability, and I mentioned that in the book because, again, it is lost, and I appreciate the fact that you mentioned it. But when he started his career, he was a 1-2-2 zone defensive coach. In fact, in his third year at Long Beach, Long Beach was a Division two before he got there. In his third year at Long Beach, they almost beat UCLA, lost by two in, in the Western Regional Finals. And um, Don Wooden said after the game, I did, one of the guards was Booker, and I forget who the other guard was, but that was the greatest zone defense they've ever played against. And that Tark was a master of the zone. Then he goes to UNLV, and he loses his big guy before the season starts. Can't play zone anymore. So he meets with Norm Ellenberger from New Mexico, who's great at teaching pressure man defense. My dad takes what Norm gives him, adds some of his own stuff, and they become the best full-court pressure man team in the country you know, these teams in the mid-70s averaged 108 points a game and 110 points a game, went to the Final Four and lost to North Carolina by one, playing that kind of pressure defense. And then, you know, when you get into the 80s, my dad didn't think he could win uh, continually with the full-court press, so he went to half-court pressure man defense and um, played that as well as anybody. And then he added in the Amoeba zone, which Coach K said after the 1990 game, that Tarkini was the best defensive coach in college basketball. So you got guys who were the top of their profession praising my father like that, but the media and the perception doesn't um, uh, want to accept that. They want to uh, promote that, and, and that was one reason for this book being written. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help 
I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What uh, what the national championship mean to him? Well, every, obviously everything. You reach the pinnacle of that. Every coach that has a desire to coach big time, wants to win a national championship. I know my father was close two other times, and they had actually they were favorites coming into those two final fours in 77, 87, and lost heartbreakers. So to finally get over the top the way they did, I know that the world to my father. How long did it take him to get over the loss the next year? <laughs> I don't know if he ever did. Uh, that loss was more than just you know losing as one team in one season. It was basically allowed... Uh, the administration at UNLV to make a move to get rid of my father and ended his career at UNLV. As you probably remember, at that time period, UNLV was on the verge of getting some of the greatest players in the country on a consistent basis, which my dad never had. He had Ed O'Bannon yeah. and Sean Tarver committed. Charles O'Bannon was coming in. Jason Kidd as a sophomore committed. Uh, but that loss to Duke um, allowed the university and uh, to, to get rid of my father and and, you know, one of the things that people have always asked, well, why would the university do that? You know, if they, if it, it, you know, they, they want, they want to know the motivation behind it. And I think it's so simple. And I don't think there's any conspiracy things behind it. And, you know, quite honestly, I don't necessarily blame the guys who did it. Is when my father came to UNLV, Las Vegas as a community was considered this really bad place to live. You had mobsters and prostitution and gambling and, my dad came in and he was fighting the NC Trey and he had that renegade image. So they sort of embraced each other. And then as the city changed, um, Steve Wynn started building family oriented casinos and they brought in the president and said, you know, we could be the harbor of the West. Um, they didn't like that image of my father fighting the NC Trey and the NC Trey was continually coming after him. In fact, it was reaching a peak and the NC University just said, we can't have this type of image represent our university anymore, so I got rid of my dad. Mm. Um, what do you want his legacy to be? Well, there's things in there, the book that I try to point out that I hope people understand. One is the, the real facts about how he ran his program in his battles with the NC Twig, but also the kind of person he was. My dad wasn't a coach who would yell and intimidate and, and, and um, try to motivate players that way. He was a coach that uh, motivated players by using sarcasm and wit. He was very witty. You know, one time we weren't playing hard in practice. He called the team together, and he said, you guys are all a bunch of bandits. Next time you pick up your scholarship check, wear a mask and gun because you're robbing the university when you don't play hard. And, you know, us as the players, I was on the team that time. I was sitting there wanting to laugh because it's so darn funny but scared to death the way he said it. And there are numerous stories like that in the book about how he got players to play that way. 
And then the second thing about him is he had a unique philosophy on how he handled players. He um, he had two two things that he he learned. One was from Riverside City College. His the president there um, told he, told him a, a statement that he never forgot to carry it on with the rest of his career, and that is you never put a kid so far in a hole he can't dig his way out of. Uh, his star player had gotten in a fight and. I uh, punched somebody, and my dad was going to suspend him for the season, and th- the president said, no, you're going to put him too far in the hole. Anyways, that kid ended up being a first-round draft pick for the Seattle Supersonics and had a great career. So my father always had that in mind when players, as you mentioned, many of them got in trouble, and um, the media and many of the other politically correct people wanted my father to be more tough disciplinarian on him. My dad never wanted to put a kid too far in the hole. He couldn't dig himself out of it. He got that. Uh, from the president at Riverside City College. And the second thing is, my dad always felt that being honest with the players, even if they might not agree with it, would, would make the players more endearing to you and play harder to you and listen to you. And this is another example I put in the book. Uh, our year in 1982-83, we had some players that were complaining that my father was saving, uh, was saving the two big players, Cindy Green and Larry Anderson. So, you know, most coaches would tell the players, oh, no, I don't, I treat everybody the same. And, you know, everybody knows that's not the case. The star players are being taken care of better than others. So my dad called the team together, and he said, I understand some of you think I'm favoring Sid and Larry. And he said, well, I am. They're carrying us, and without them, we wouldn't be where we are. If we want one, if we're on a desert island and I had one canteen of water, I'd give Sid and Larry everything they need to drink. And if there's anything left over, I might share with the rest of you. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, too, I'm, I'm his own son. He's going to thirst me out, huh? Uh, last thing, where'd the towel come from? His first championship season was at Riverside uh, Redlands High School, and the game went into overtime. And during the regulation, he kept yelling at the players. His mouth was getting dry, so he ran to the water fountain to, to wet it. By the time overtime happened, he said, I don't want to keep doing that. So he wet the towel, he chomped on it, got his mouth wet so he could yell some more. They won the game, and because of his superstition and probably because everybody liked it so much, he continued to do it the rest of his career. Mm. Amazing, amazing stuff. Rebel with the Cause is available uh, Amazon or wherever you pick up books. Danny Tarkanian, who was not only the son and former player, but the lawyer for the late, great Jerry Tarkanian. Danny, this is great. This is awesome catching up. Thanks so much for joining us. Sure. Thanks, Doug, for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Danny. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? 
Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. All right, that's it for All Ball. My thanks to Danny Tarkanian for joining me. Uh, my own thoughts on Tark the Shark are these. I, I thought he was, uh, I thought his teams played hard. I thought his teams were tough. Um, I don't believe that the difference between Tark and, for example, Eddie Sutton, who's not in the Hall of Fame, I do think belongs in the Hall of Fame. He didn't win a national championship. Both had issues with the NCAA. The difference is, and look, you got to read this book to understand that Tark's issues with the N- NCAA date back to when he was at Long Beach State. Um, Tark did not believe in the NCAA rules. He didn't. He did not believe the NCAA rules were fair to kids, especially from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. And so he didn't, you know, as much as Danny said, like, look, they didn't pay guys, whatever. I don't know. I have no idea what went on. I'm not going to sit here and say they did or whatever. It's more just the idea of what are you teaching your players? You're teaching your players that the NCAA rules don't make sense. Well, why would they follow them? Doesn't mean that Tark had anything to do with it, but simply looking the other way or in a place like Las Vegas where cash is king, it's not that hard to imagine what could have taken place, especially if the head coach has open disdain for the rules. Eddie Sutton did not have open disdain for the rules. He did not. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't break the rules when he was at Kentucky, but similarly, when he was at Kentucky, as you heard from Danny, like he wasn't mentioned in any of the findings. He wasn't. But that, that's the way those are. The head coaches have always been smart. They, they put layers between themselves and the bag men. If there are bag men. But the difference is that Eddie Sutton believed in the rules, believed in going to class and in getting your degree. Whereas I felt like, and I could be mistaken, I felt like the narrative of Tark the Shark's crew was always like, we think the NCAA rules are bunk. We think that you do, you know, like, I don't know if he was a stickler for getting his degree, getting degrees, but I do think he wanted to, I wanted guys to be better people and was invested in their lives. I don't think he's a, in any way a bad human being, but I'm not sure there was the push towards education uh, that, like there was with Eddie Sutton. And Eddie Sutton never, he, he never to me or to anyone I uttered ever said anything negative about the rules. He thought the rules were the rules and they were the right rules. The only question is whether they broke the rules in Kentucky. That's not the case with Tark, who had an open and had they had open disdain for the rules about the ability to have kids have money in their pocket while they were on scholarship at in college. That's the difference. It's fun watching the running rebels, man. I was a kid. My dad coached Long Beach State. The Rebs would come in and they would take over a building. They played the convention center in Vegas. It was amazing. One of the great experiences of my life was. My dad and I, uh, the second year, after they won the national championship, they had a desert classic. They played Florida State one night and Georgia, Georgetown the next night. And we drove to the desert. He got really sick in Baker. We stayed the night. And then the next morning, I actually had to drive the last leg to Vegas. And I was like 14 years old. Right, that really happened. 
1990, feel like it was, maybe 91, right before I turned uh, 15. Anyway, we went to the Mad Greek, and then we went to Vegas, and he coughed and sneezed, and we watched both games. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a fireworks display inside an arena. So I remember Tark the Shark uh, vividly. I thought their teams played hard and played well. I would say there's a difference between him and some of the other coaches that aren't even in the the uh, the Hall of Fame. And um, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and judge a guy. I, you know, he he's a legendary member of the col- of of college basketball. You know, I don't think he's on the Mount Rushmore, but that team certainly could have been. It's an amazing team. And then, of course, they lose to Duke. Remember and. Three of the guys are in the hot tub with Richard the Fixer Perry. The guy's nickname is the Fixer. So who knows how and why they lost to Duke. I'm sure those guys will ultimately take that one to the grave. Maybe that comes up in like 30 more years with another book. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Our second podcast of the week. More upcoming as we get ready for March Madness. Continue to have some fun. You have some questions? Tweet me at Gottlieb Show. Listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern. 12.3 12.3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. You can download that as well. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, 
it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.